Well, hey, if you haven't heard me say it before today, good morning. It's good to see you here. Uh, as Jeff was mentioning earlier today, um, we are missing our preacher with pastoral duties. He is, <laughs> he's been a little bit under the weather today, and so uh, Jeff did an awesome job of leading Sunday school, and uh, they're pulling up the JV team to give the message, I guess, here for the service. So anyways, I'm excited for it. I'm excited about today. Today is an awesome day. And uh, man, I'm just, uh, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here with you all. Glad to be here uh, just just praising and worshiping the Lord together in this place. And uh, man, all the things that that entails. Uh, I, I have to make sure that I say all the stuff that, that Corey says, because I think it's important. Number one, welcome to Beecher Island. I think everybody that's in this building has been here before, so it is good to see you again this morning. Uh, we are a independent, non-denominational church. We are Bible preaching, we are Jesus loving, and that's what we do down here at Beach Island. And uh, we're going to continue to do that, and when that goes away, this church goes away, and it ain't going to go away, so this church ain't going to go away. So we're going to just keep on preaching the Bible and loving Jesus, so uh, glad, you, glad you are all here with us, and make sure... If there's some, somebody new on the on online, you got to let them know that too. And come on down uh, after we get done with the service. There's always that fellowship time. I think there's man, that's good back there. After after we get done with the service and everybody fellowships, we stay here for like four or five hours just talking to business. <laughs> I just I just absolutely love that. So um, back up. Sorry. Oh. I was trying to be discreet. Oh. <laughs> was it cut off my head? It. Yeah, I missed my head. So anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, we are going to jump into uh, Acts chapter 10 this morning. So uh, flip your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, if you will. And as you are going there, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for another day that you've given us. God, we thank you for... For your love and uh, and God, I just I just pray uh, that your blessing just comes on all the people here, including myself. That our heart, that our hearts and our minds will be open to your word as the truth that it is, Lord. And and God, I just I just ask you bless this time for us together uh, right down here at Beecher Island. And and, uh, and God, we just thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, so if you're at Acts chapter 10, I've been, I've been studying Acts every morning, I've been getting up, I've been reading, I've been writing a bunch of notes down, and, and, and it just happened, just so happened that uh, I was in chapter 10 uh, earlier when Corey said he wasn't going to make it, and we decided that Jeff was going to do Sunday school and I was going to do this, so it, it, uh, it works out pretty good, because I, I really dove into chapter 10 here, and I'm telling you what, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Because I don't, you can pluck verses out of this chapter if you want to and, and, and go over it, but I am going to read the whole chapter and then we're going to go from there. So we're starting at verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man known, named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were all devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told him everything that happened 
and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that, so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called them, called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is the guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So that's Acts chapter 10. There, there's a, what, what struck me as, I was, as, as I've been studying Acts and going through there 
When we get to chapter 10, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. The first time that I read through it, I got to thinking, you know, just with the story that, that, that this is about, with Cornelius, this, uh, this, this Roman, um, and, and having, a, having a talk with God, and then Peter, and the sheep being let down, and all these things going on, uh, it just seemed, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, it just seemed to me like it was just kind of randomly placed in the Bible. And, and, and as, I, as I read through that and I dissected and started, started really diving into it, figuring out what it meant, it, it became apparent to me how important it was that this story landed where it did in the book of Acts, and it landed in the New Testament, and it landed in the Bible in its entirety, and, and it's there, and, and it's not random at all. And, and I love that. I love the way that the Lord reveals the Word to me. And uh, so we, we are just, we're just going to dive into it. We're going to dissect it. And we're just going to see where it takes us. So when, when we open up Acts chapter 10, the first thing we were introduced to, we were introduced to this guy. This, this guy named Cornelius. He was part of the Italian regiment um, of, of, the, of the Roman army. And he was in charge of about 100 men. That's what he did. That's what a centurion does. He is in charge of about 100 men. And if, if he's going to be in charge, and he's going to be part of this, uh, kind of be kind of be a big man there, he is carefully picked. I'm sure that there was people higher than him that, that looked at him and, and looked at his life, and he had to have some, some good characteristics. He had to be noble. He had to be uh, faithful. He had to be uh, faithful to the army, I should say. Um, and, and he had to be just... He had to be the guy. He had to be the guy that would be in charge of these men. He was, he was an upstanding dude. So, so in our day, I think of him, he's like the top hand. He's like the combine driver. He's like the head cook. He might not have all the answers or have all you know, the, the, the direction that, that something needs to go, but he's the guy that, that, that these hundred men go to. He's, he's a big guy. He's a big dude, right? He's a big man on campus. One thing that he was not was he was not a Jew. And I think that's important. He was not a Jew. But he and his family, they were God-fearing people. It says that right there. They were God-fearing people. And he gave to those in need. He gave to the poor. And he prayed. He prayed quite a little bit. So Cornelius, he knew God. That was a good deal. He knew how to do good. He knew how to pray. And he knew how to believe in this God. And... I think that is awesome because, because, like I said, he was not a Jew. He was not, um, back in those days, there was the Jews and then there was the Gentiles. And, and all the Jews had their God. They knew all the, knew all the things. They knew the law. They knew the Old Covenant. And they were, they were, they were chosen by God, and he was not one of those. So we, went, we need to keep that in mind. But what is awesome is all of a sudden this angel of the Lord comes down and appears to Cornelius. And, and this angel, number one, scares the pants off of him. It says that. What is it, Lord? He asked. He stared at him in fear. And he spoke to him. And, and, and the Lord, the angel of the Lord, says, Hey, Cornelius, you're a good man. You've been praying to God. Uh, you've been giving to the poor. And I want you to know that, that your prayers and the, and the good that you have been doing has been brought up to God as a memorial offering. As a memorial offering. And I'm going to tell you this right now, folks. I don't know if you know this about me, but I've never been to divinity school. I've never been to Bible school. I, uh, I've, I've never been a, anointed as a preacher or anything like that. I don't know all the things. I don't, I don't study it like a lot of people do. Uh, but if God has called me to stand up here and give this message today, I knew that I probably better have it figured out, right? So when it says 
when it says that these have come up as memorial offerings, I well, what are memorial offerings? Well, if you have your Bible right quick, if you flip back to Leviticus chapter 2, it explains for us what a memorial offering is. It says, it, when someone brings a grain offering to the Lord, his offering is to be a fine flour. It, he, is to put, he is to pour oil on it, put incense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest shall take a handful of the fine flour and oil together with the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is the most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire. So this is a pretty important deal. This memorial offering is a pretty important deal. And, and, and for the Jews, that's what they had to do. They had to take the grain offering, but they, they sorted off a handful of it, and they mixed it together with some oil and some incense, and they started it on fire, and the smoke goes up, and it was an aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. And what was it for? It was... As a, as a, it was a memorial offering in memory of the goodness of God. It was in, the, in, in memory of the, of the blessings that he had bestowed on his people. And also, it was, it was a memorial. It was, it was thinking about what, was, what God was going to do for them in the future as well. It was for the goodness. It was just, it was just the people remembering, God, you're good to me. That's what a memorial offering was. And so it was... Again, it, it strikes me as awesome because he's not a Jew, but he still God still recognized that his prayer and, and the good that he was doing for, for the poor and the needy was, was sent up as this memorial offering. And I just think that's awesome. Even though he wasn't a Jew, he was just a Gentile. God still accepted that for what it was. So he did what the he did what the angel of the Lord said. He sent for Peter. He sent three men. He said, Go give Peter for some reason. Uh, we need to hear. We need to hear what what Peter has to say. And I think it's important that we know that that God recognized that that Cornelius knew God and was doing the right things and doing good things. But there was something that Cornelius was missing. There was something that he was missing. And he knew after the Lord, angel of the Lord told him to go to Joppa and get Peter. That whatever Peter had was the thing that Cornelius needed to hear. So he did. He sent for Peter. So meanwhile. Back at the ranch, here's Peter over by the sea with Simon the Tanner, and uh, and he goes up on the roof to pray. I have never went up on the roof to pray. Is anybody else? I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, they did that back in those days. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was up on the roof. What's that? I prayed when I was up on the roof. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so they went to. Uh, he went up on the roof to pray, and I think this is funny. Peter became hungry, and so I, I'm trying to just imagine Peter. He's like, hey. Simon the Tanner, build me a sandwich. I, I don't know. I don't know what he was saying, <laughs> but he was hungry. He was hungry, and uh, boy, you can't you can't pray on an empty stomach. You gotta have. I don't I don't know. Um, but he was up on the roof. He was getting ready to pray. He became hungry, and so while while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And I, I tried to just get my mind wrapped around around this trance and the only thing that I can think of is I have a daughter back there all of you know my daughter and you know what happens when she gets a little hungry she gets a little growly she gets a little, little whiny and then she kind of gets tired and I don't know if you all have seen this but when you put that grouchy and that tired together uh, she gets this blank look on her face and you can like hey Emery you know I'm like way better and, and it reminds me when you when you look at your phone and you're looking something up on the internet as you're coming down to your beach or out because there's no service and there's that little circle that's spinning it's buffering that's 
That's what we call Emory. She's buffering. She's in a trance. I don't know if this is the same trance that Peter's in, but that's the only thing I can think about. So, uh, so Peter falls into a trance. And the heavens open. He sees the heavens open. And this sheet, something like a sheet, gets let down out of the, out of the heavens. And it's got all kinds of critters in it. It's got four-legged critters. Uh, it's got reptiles of the earth, birds of the air. And this, this voice comes to him. And it says, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter's like, hey, wait. Surely not. Surely not. He says, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke again a second time and said, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this had to happen three times. This had to happen three times. But again, I was thinking, so what is this deal about the pure and the impure, the clean and the unclean? I'm not, I'm not understanding this. And again, I'm not a Bible scholar. I've, I've, I, I haven't studied the Bible the way that, the, that some, some other people have, but I wanted to figure it out. So if you were in Leviticus before, go back to Leviticus chapter 11. And this is where it explains what Peter was talking about when he seen what was coming down out of the sheep. This is in the old law. This is, this is back, uh, back in the old law. Back in the old covenant, all that good stuff. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, it's just chapter 11, verse 1, and it goes down for a little while. I'll just read it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof completely divided and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The coney, I don't even know what a coney is, but though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof, it is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof, it is unclean for you. And the pig, I have trouble with the pig. But the pig, though it has a split hoof, completely divided, does not chew its cud, it is unclean for you. There's a whole laundry list of these things that the people could and could not eat. Is what the Lord was telling Moses as the law to tell everybody, these are things that are clean, these are things that are unclean, these are things you can eat, and there's things you can't eat. So when we go back to Acts chapter 10, when, when uh, Peter is talking about, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean, that's where it's coming from. It's coming from these animals. And the voice spoke to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And if you don't get anything else out of this message today, this is the one thing that I want you to know. That if there, if there was stuff that was unclean back there in the Old Testament, in the Old Law, and God has made it clean today, that means that we can have bacon and sausage Friday morning in the men's Bible study back there. Right? <laughs> but it happened to Peter three times. It happened to Peter three times. The this, sheet's this coming down, he's saying, kill and eat, and Peter's like, I can't, it's unclean. And he says, you can't call anything unclean because the Lord has made it clean. It happened to him three times, and I think about the other things that happened to Peter three times, sometimes he just, it takes a while to get stuff through his head. That's why I like Peter, because he's a lot like me. There's times that I'll hear something or I'll uh, read something um, it having to do with Scripture, having to do with God. Sometimes it's like, it, I'll, 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 I've learned to listen for God. And when when, uh, when I hear something a couple times, I'm like, yeah, I know that God is talking to me, but why does it have to happen two or three times? Why can't I just hear it right the first time? And, and the same with Peter. So I, I, I sympathize with the guy. But I think about Peter and the, and the times that he had to hear something three times. One, one time that I remember, uh, Jesus was, they were, they were getting ready to, uh, I mean, it, it was the end of Jesus' ministry, the end of his life, and he tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. 
And what happened? He denied him three times before the rooster crew. And then another time, uh, I think about was in John chapter uh, 21. Um, it, it was at the very end when, when Jesus reinstates Peter. And he says, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. There's one time. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That's the second time. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He was mad. It's like, man, Jesus, don't you know? Don't you know? You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Man, sometimes it just takes Peter just a little while. It just takes him a little while. And it takes me a little while. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting that it happened three times. So while he was up there, the, uh, the, the, same, um, the same voice told him, that he said, Hey, there's three men come for you. Just go with them. Don't hesitate to go with them. He's like, all right. So he gets down on the, off the roof. I suppose he goes ahead and eats his sandwich or whatever, Simon the Tanner. I don't know if Simon's the one who cooked it. But anyways, uh, invited the guys in, and the next day they headed out. They headed back to Cornelius' house. Uh, so as he heads back to the house, and, and, or back to Cornelius' house, it's like 30 miles from Joppa to Caesarea is what it says. I don't know necessarily all the, all the, the distances and stuff over there, but it was about 30 miles. I suppose it took... Well, it took four days is what happened from the time that Cornelius had this dream to the time they come back and Peter's talking to him. And so part of those days he was walking on the dusty road and all that. Um, and when he gets there, when he gets there and comes into uh, close to where Cornelius was, what did Cornelius do? He comes out and he fell at Peter's feet in reverence. And I love this about Peter, this next verse. About Peter, he said to Cornelius, he said, Stand up. I am only a man myself. And at first thought, at first glance, I think of this, I'm like, man, I'm so proud of Peter, man. He's, he's got it. He's, he's humbling himself. He does. He wants to make sure that Cornelius is not uh, trying to worship him. He's wanting to make sure that he knows that, that Jesus, God, that, that is what we need to be focusing on, not me, Peter. I'm just a man myself. So he tells him to get up. So he gets up and they walk into the house. And, and in the meantime, as as Peter and his, and his brothers um, had, had come, uh, Cornelius had got together, his relatives and his close friends. Because God had, God had told, told Cornelius that Peter had something he needed to tell him. But Cornelius didn't just want it for himself. He wanted everybody. He wanted his, his relatives, his close friends to come in because whatever Peter needed to say, he wanted everyone to hear. And so he walks in there. And I can imagine, I can imagine... That after walking all those miles and, and being up on the roof and, and falling in a trance and having this vision and, and all these things going on, that Peter by this time, I'm guessing he's kind of wore out. I could be wrong, but I'm guessing if it would have been me, I'd have had a pretty good grouch on by this time. And because Peter, he's a Jew, right? And God is telling him to go talk to the Gentiles. And he says it right here. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with the Gentile. He's telling straight up, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. Or visit him, he says. But, this is when Peter's starting to get it. He says, God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. He's kind of starting to figure it out. He's kind of starting to figure it out. And so, he goes on down through there. 
And he asks, why have you sent me? So Cornelius tells him again. He says, hey, four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. About three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I've sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to the thing the Lord has commanded you to tell us. To listen to the thing the Lord has commanded you to tell us. This is the thing that God knew, that, that God was telling Cornelius, you need to hear this. This is what it is. And everybody, I'm sure, they're just sitting in silence. All of his relatives and his close friends are all just sitting in silence. Everything is, is on Peter, and Peter's standing there, and he's like, all right, this is what I'm going to tell you. And he goes right down through it. He just throws it out, and he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. We are witnesses of everything He did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed Him by hanging Him on a tree, but God raised Him from the dead on the third day, and they caused Him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses on Witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And this part right here, I just love it. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That, my friends, there's seven verses there, I think. That right there is what Peter with seeing the vision, it's, it's what Cornelius, when he had the, the angel of the Lord come down and talk to him, they, they trudged all the miles and the dusty whatever to get to Cornelius' house. This Jew was coming to talk to the Gentiles, and those seven verses right there, ladies and gentlemen, it's the thing that we know right now is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the thing that Cornelius was missing. Cornelius had God. He knew God. He prayed to God. He knew how to do good. He knew how to... How to, how to help the needy and help the poor. But the one thing that he was missing was the faith in Jesus Christ. And he needed to know that. And, and the only way that he was going to get that was if Peter came and told him that. I, I think about Cornelius, and even though he was not a Jew, I'm sure that he was aware of the law of the Jews. And because he, he understood what it meant back when, when he said that your prayers when the angel of the Lord said your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God, he, I think he understood. I think he knew what the, the law was. The, all that was under the Old Covenant. But what I love about this is, is that after Jesus, after Jesus had been here, he, had, he, had, he was born of virgin birth, he lived, he died on a cross, he was raised again in three days. The gospel that it is, uh, that is the New Covenant. That is the new covenant, and and I'm reminded. I go to uh, to Hebrews chapter eight, and in verse four, they're talking about Jesus. If he were on earth, he would not be priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator 
is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. The new covenant. Jesus Christ, the new covenant. It says, for there, if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will man teach his neighbor or man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. And I just love that. We are under a new covenant. And that's what, that's what Cornelius needed to hear. How many of us, I'm not asking anybody to raise their hand, just think about how many of us right now, we know God. How many of you know God? You know that, there, that something, some, some bigger divine being had to make this heavens and, and earth and stars and sun and the moon and all the things that go on it. We, we know that it's there and, and we know that we should talk to this, this thing, whatever it is that made it. And, and, and we know that there, we, we're supposed to do good, right? We're supposed to do good, not bad, not evil. How many of us still need to hear about Jesus Christ? How many of us still need to hear the gospel? I know maybe that sounds crazy that you come to church every Sunday or you've heard it, whatever, but how important is it that we've got to hear the gospel? No matter where you're at, your, your faith life. How many of us are like Cornelius? You know, there is, there is some other people that day when Peter came to the house of Cornelius and needed to hear the gospel too. And, and it... And if you, at the end of ch at, uh, chapter 10 there, verse 44, it says, while, speak, while Peter was still speaking on these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who came with Peter. So when he was coming, when he came from Joppa to, to Cornelius' house, there, it says in chapter 11 later on that there were six of those brothers that came with Peter. And so these are the ones they're talking about. They're the, they're the, they're the circumcised believers that had come with Peter they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. They were astonished. They needed to hear the gospel that day. Because they, they knew God. They knew how to do good. They would known about Jesus. Some of them may have seen Jesus when He was alive. And, and they knew what Jesus did. They had the gospel. They had it. But they needed to hear it again. Because they were Jews. They thought they were the clean ones. They had come, and, and, and it was apparent to them they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the unclean ones, the Gentiles. They needed to hear the gospel that day, too. They needed to hear the gospel that day, too. Sometimes I wonder how many of us are just like those brothers. Now we've, we've, we've got God. we talked to Him. We've got Jesus. But when we walk out those doors, we, we realize that everyone out there whether we think they're unclean or clean or not or whatever, that we're not supposed to call them unclean. Because they, they have every right to Jesus just like we do. There's one other person that needed to hear the gospel that day. And this is the one that just, just blows my mind. One other person that needed to hear the gospel that day needed to hear about the clean and the unclean. 
And the other one that needed to hear that gospel, maybe worse than anybody else, was the one that brought the gospel that day, and that was Peter. And I think about, I think about it, we were talking, we were kind of harping on Peter just a little bit, that he had to hear three times not to call anything impure that God has made clean. He had to hear that three times. And it was because God is awesome. He brought it to my attention. And what blows me away is this is not the first time that Peter had heard about the clean and the unclean. We were hammered on him here for hearing it three times, but this wasn't the first time that he heard it. If we go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is talking about being clean and unclean. And he is given, uh, he's talking in parables. And if we go down to, to verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what, what comes out of his mouth, this is what makes him unclean. And the disciples are like, Man, do you know that you just defended the Pharisees? And Jesus is like, Hey, you know what? If a blind man leaves a blind man, those are going to fall into a pit. Don't worry about them. But what's crazy to me is, is that was the first time that they'd heard about clean and unclean. And then who asked the question? Look at that, verse 15. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. And Jesus, what does he say? I love this. Are you still so dull? <laughs> That'd be me. That'd be me. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked him, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, that the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean? Man, Peter had to hear that five times. He had to hear that five times before this day, and for some reason it is finally, finally kicking in. And the thing that I, I'm drawn to in verse 26, we talked about it before, when Peter said, stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. This is when Cornelius had fell at his feet. He said, stand up, I am only a man myself. We talked about how it's so awesome that he just humbled himself, and, and he, he wanted Cornelius to make sure that he was not worshiping himself as Peter. But you know what I wonder? You know what I wonder that Peter was, he's thinking, man, I'm a Jew. I'm one of the chosen ones, and I'm for some reason being led to go talk to these Gentiles. But I think Peter's figuring out that he's no better. He ain't no more clean or unclean than that man that he that he lives right down there. He says, you know what? I'm just a man myself. I'm just a man myself. It makes me wonder if Peter had uh, had started thinking, what if I'm the one that's unclean? What if I'm the one that needs to hear that gospel? Down there a little bit further, he says, God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. And he's, he's getting there. He says, I should not. I should not call him unclean. That God has made clean. I should not. He's getting there, right? But the part that it really, it really sticks out is in verse 34. I kind of skipped over this earlier. When Peter began to speak to Cornelius, his close relatives, his close friends, and he said, and this is for him. This is for him. This is for Peter. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And then he goes in to tell him the gospel, the seven verses. He needed to hear that just as bad, just as much, just as good, however you want to say that. He needed to hear that gospel. He knew Jesus. He, he, he hung out with Jesus. He followed Jesus. Jesus loved that guy. But he needed to hear that gospel too, of what Jesus Christ did for him. 
that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness for his sins through their name. And it is, it is an awesome promise for the rest of us, those of us that are not Jewish, those of us that are, would be considered Gentiles or whatever it would be. Jesus Christ did that all for us too. I don't know how many of us are like Peter. I don't want I don't want anybody raising their hands. I would be the first one to do it though. You stand up here and you talk about Jesus, you talk about God, you talk about the good things, and then you go out there and you still look at people and you look maybe maybe look down your nose at them because they're a little dirtier than you, or maybe they just don't do something right, or maybe they they're they're stuck in the sin, well, you know what? They have every chance of Jesus Christ that I do. They have every chance. And it is not for me to figure out whether they're clean or unclean. I'm going to invite the music team back up here as we close this thing out. I, I, want, to, I want to go to one more spot that just, uh, it just brought it all together for me. And it was when Jesus was actually hanging on the cross. And, and I had to do some more research to figure out what exactly all this meant, but it was when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and it's at the very end, and, and, and it's when Jesus dies, Matthew 27, 50 and 51. He said, And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, He gave up His spirit. So Jesus dies. He died on the cross. And it says after that, At that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And I had to figure out exactly what this meant. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. We hear about that. The veil was torn. We hear about those things. But I had to figure it out for myself. What does this mean that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from, from top to bottom? In the temple, there was a holy place and there was a most holy place. And there was a place in the holy place where the unclean could come. And that's where they would, they would give their sacrifice or whatever it would be. And then there was a curtain that divided and there was the most holy place. And, and there was only a very, very select few that could even think about going in there. But then that was where the clean was. And it separated. There was a curtain that separated the unclean from the clean. All of, all of the people just like you and me were over here and the clean were over here. And when Jesus Christ died. When Jesus Christ died, that curtain was torn completely into top to bottom. It wasn't just a little tear. It wasn't just so we could barely peek in there and see. Maybe get a glimpse of what God could do for us. It was because Jesus Christ died on that cross because God sent Him down to this earth for you and for me. And when He died, that curtain was completely two different pieces. No more. We don't have to worry about being clean and unclean anymore. It was completely torn. And because of, because of His blood, when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, that is what makes us clean. It is not any amount of, of praying to God and thinking that we're doing all the right things and all the works that we do that are going to get us there. But it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we are able to even come into His presence. We all need to hear the gospel. Everybody. We need to be telling our, our friends. We need to be telling our kids, our parents. We need to be telling them the gospel. We also need to be preaching it to ourselves. Make sure you know. Make sure it gets into your inner being. And your, let it come into your bones and your marrow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that 
that you came down and, and you lived a life, Lord, uh, and you were hung on that cross, Lord, when you when, when you died, that that curtain was torn, and that we 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 can come to you because of what you've done on the cross, and we're washed clean because of your blood. And God, we're nothing without you. We're absolutely nothing without you, God, and, and we praise you for your blessings. And we thank you that you have, you have allowed us to come into your presence. God, I just can't thank you enough. God, I just pray that all these all these hearts and, and these minds are opened up and Lord, that, that you are accepted for, for what you have done, not for what we have done. And God, that maybe we can walk away from here knowing that we have the same shot at Jesus as the next person does and that they also have the same shot to give you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say one more thing before we before we get going, because Corey always says this, and I want to make sure that I say it too. If you have not, if you have not taken the opportunity to let Jesus Christ come into your heart, today's the day to today's the day to get saved. And and, and I, I just have to say one more time at the end of Acts chapter 10, because we are, we are just we're just a bunch of Gentiles. We are unclean, but but the Holy Spirit was poured out even on those Gentiles, even on us. And Peter says, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you have, if you are saved and you have had Jesus Christ come into your heart, man, jump in the water. It ain't going to take very long to fill that thing out. And it's just, it's, it's not to save you, but I think a baptism is a brand. Just like us cowboys do our calves in the in the springtime. It's just saying that we're gods. We're one of gods. And and if we cross over that fence over there, it's alright, he's gonna gather us back in. We're just gods. We've got the Holy Spirit, you can get baptized too. I uh, I'm gonna let these guys handle it because I can know they'll do it. I'm gonna go back there and back. If anybody needs any prayers or anything like that, I will I would love for you to come back there and pray with me. I'll pray with you. Uh, maybe another Elder or two might meet me back there too. Stand with us and sing.